0: Welcome to the Great Connections podcast. We're your hosts, Marcia and enright
1: and Liz Parker.
0: In this podcast, we aim to talk about powerful ideas and practices that will aid you to achieving the best in your life and live as a free person, like the ones we use in the Great Connections seminars. Visit thegreatconnections.org for more information on our in-person programs and where you can subscribe and comment on the podcast where you can find links and resources, as well as our email address. We'd love to hear from you. So we're here this afternoon with Jake Ilson. He's a mid-20s millennial, entrepreneur, going into real estate, wants to create a new business, and he was one of the first students at the Great Connections Seminar in 2009 when he was 16 years old. We want to talk to him today because he's been back three times altogether, and we think he has a lot of experience with the program. We're interested in getting his impressions and views of it so we can help other people understand what it's about since he found it valuable enough to come back several times. So Jake, what was your first impression when you came to the seminar in 2009? You were a teenager, you know, 16.
2: You know, I didn't have a lot of experience with the whole idea in general, or even talking about complex ideas or difficult subjects that were up you know, in in the political world. Um, so I was just incredibly intimidated. I spent the first few days, um, the first year I went, pretty quiet, in the back and just listening to the discussion. And nobody really asked me, you know, to say anything, though I was encouraged to. It wasn't like traditional school. No teacher would call on me or you don't need to have an opinion on something to be able to participate. So I wasn't really worried, you don't Get worried about having the wrong answer or something like that. Eventually, I just got to know everybody, and as I became more familiar with them and the way the seminar worked, I was able to open up more and participate more and more.
0: So the the, the way in which the uh, discussion was run made you feel comfortable enough, even though you felt kind of shy and intimidated at first.
2: Yeah, and, and as I was able to open up and express myself, I you know started to discover. More about myself and have more opinions about things, and that really changed my life. In my opinion, since that more first you know week, I would you know went home and you know talked to my friends differently, and I made different friends because I was interested more in communicating with people and hearing their ideas.
0: And so, it, it, on top of everything, it made you feel like you could talk to other people and that you had something valuable to say?
2: Yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah and, and a lot of things came from that. In being able to talk to people, I, I know I have some pretty, you know, just out there ideas um, about the world and all of my friends that I surround myself just don't, don't share those ideas in general. Um, and I'm more of an advocate of anything, if anything, of just communication doesn't matter the ideas just let's talk to each other if you have an idea that conflicts with somebody else's ideas don't block it out let's talk
0: mm-hmm.
2: and that's that's really what i found you know as the biggest thing of the great connections and attending it was the one of the bit you know things that i love the most about it um and what i think it really means in in a greater sense of it.
0: So th- this is a a habit or a frame of mind or an approach that you you got by coming to the great connections. Yeah. That the best thing to do is whatever people's different views are, let's talk it out.
2: Yeah, no, I I don't know. My my biggest fear in like today's political climate especially is that people are isolating you know themselves. They're they're blocking out conflicting opinions and ideas. I just had a friend on Facebook two days ago, who posted, if you still support Trump, why are you still on my friends list? Mm. And it really hurt to read that. Mm -hmm. Because if someone is really blocking people who have any ideas that don't jive with what they, you know, believe, then that's, I mean, there's like four different cognitive and social biases that you just immediately, you know... (laughs) they just promote irrationality and and there's no way to have a discussion with someone like that if they're just going to ignore you um, and i you know i i just can't believe that we're in a point right now in our country where we have these two at least two if you know obviously many more sides that are so conflicted we've had this you know uproarious election that turned our country upside down and we're still trying to Negotiate and rule the rest of the world in a way, without even being able to, you know, negotiate talk between, uh, you know, amongst ourselves. And I usually recognize that kind of inability to communicate uh, or accept, you know, other ideas as, as like the, you know, not so much the baby boomers, but the older generation. And it's always been like that in the history of the world. That was, you know, the people who were set in their ways and unable to to really accept the new changes and eventually the younger generation would come in and you know kind of force the change but these these are the kids now that are blocking out you know any opposing ideas these are the the new generation that's trying to make the change that won't hear both sides of the story and it's it's funny because they're you know this is a lot of these people and I'm not going to overgeneralize the word but a lot of these kids are liberals, and the meaning of the word liberal is, in essence, to be open to the general you know, ideas and knowledge around you, to just welcome it and, and talk about it.
0: You feel like it's newspeak, like the, the word actually means its opposite. And the thing I always worry about is, if we can't talk to each other, how do we resolve any problems? No. What's left? What's left but fighting and
1: violence? I thought that was an interesting point that you made, that usually it's the younger generation that's pushing for more openness and more dialogue and more change. And now we see the opposite, where the older generation now is trying to like hold on to this right of free speech and prevent censorship, whereas the younger generation now is working totally in a, in a different way. So it's like this double contradiction of, well, they're liberals, but then they're advocating for things that are very illiberal. And then they're also usually the younger generations at the forefront of change. And now it seems like it's reversal, like they're taking steps backwards instead of progressing. Something that you I've heard you say before about the seminar was that during the formal dialogues, that kind of laid the foundation for afterwards having like these really like sometimes intense but meaningful conversations afterwards about things that you really care about and how like you were able to have that kind of conversation without it being offensive or really intense. <laughs> so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about what makes that difference, because we've all talked about how there's this need for communication and effective communication, so people aren't like, oh, you support Trump? I'm done with you, <laughs> you know? So what it was it that created that ability to have an open conversation about these really difficult issues?
2: Well, I know, again, it was, it was when I first, you know, when I first showed up that first year, um, and it was new for everybody, but we had these formal conversations, you know, we read a, a text and we have a discussion about it in a formal atmosphere. We let everybody speak who wants to speak, try to give everybody time. Um, and it, it was very proper feeling and, and, you know, I, I was very quiet because it almost felt too formal to an extent, and it wasn't. It wasn't that it was too formal. It was just again intimidating, and I was young, and and I hadn't had the chance to express myself. And what ended up happening is after a couple of days, and it didn't start off at you know as an informal discussion, but after the you know all day formal to talks, you know we had some recreation and recess throughout the day, but finally 9 p.m. would roll around, and we'd relax, and we'd we'd all go back to our rooms, or, you know, to the common area, and it wouldn't start as much of a conversation where I was like, hey, you know, let's, let's party in a way, you know, like, let's hang out, let's have some fun, let's not think about all heavy stuff, and that got me into a Uh, you know, really close relationship with so many of the people individually. You had time to kind of sit down and talk in in a relaxed environment, just like two friends talking. You get to know them even more. You've been listening to their ideas all day, but you really get to know what makes them the person that they are. And eventually it evolved by the end of the week, instead of, you know, hanging out and just talk, you know, shooting shooting the shit, so to speak, you just sit down and continue the conversation from today, but in an in a way that you can bring up things that wouldn't necessarily be as acceptable in a formal Socratic seminar. You'd be able to bring up, you know, their past or your own past or uh, books that you've read, films that you've watched, outside information that normally you're, you know, you kind of want to keep away from when you're having a formal talk. And so it, it basically, that, that's one of my favorite things about The Great Connections and I've got probably like eight different favorite things about this seminar just because of how much it changed and how much i experienced but otherwise that that informal as i as i pretty simply call it um i've done every year since i since i started going there and just gathering as many people to have the exact same discussion but let's let it loose let's get emotional about it let's let's really find why you know, why do you really want to say these things? Why is it so important to you? Because just hearing your ideas isn't going to convince me as much as hearing why you're so passionate about the ideas that you have. Um, and it really opened people up, and you know, it made me love the people I went to the seminars with, because you just connect with them just so much more than, than you'd be able to just sitting across a table in a formal environment.
0: Well, let me ask you a question. So, uh, it sounds like the way you're describing it, you almost don't need what goes on during the day to make that happen.
2: Oh, absolute, absolutely not. You definitely need that, that formal because that's, there. You can't have that relaxation without, without a little bit of a tense, tense beginning. And it's it's just kind of how the day goes by. You you wake up and you ready you've read the you read the material and you're ready to you prepared to you know what you want to say on it and we go around and the people who have you know lavish ideas about about the you know text they bring it up and everybody has a chance to respond in their in their in their own way and it's really important for that to happen because that gives you the material to kind of attack them later. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I use that word in, in a friendly way. Um, but if I'm really conflicted about something, then, you know, I, I just remember to bring it up later in a, in a better environment. And the, the tough part about it, and some people don't participate, this is why the formal is so uh, good, is because it's so inviting. You don't have to come to the informal. It's not. It's not part of the seminar. You know, it's that's just. This is how I get to know people. This is what I enjoy doing on my nights. I, you know, some people like to go party. Let's go drink. Let's go. You know, get completely wasted and trashed and do stupid things and make stupid decisions. I just want to sit down and and you know really talk. Um, but that that formal part of the seminar, the actual seminar, is so important because it invites anybody. If you like to go out and party at night come in for the day, and we'll have our talk, and anybody can talk, and there's no, there's no disrespect, it, it stays calm, it doesn't get too emotional, If you don't want to talk about something, nobody's going to try to push you, just like I was saying earlier, and what, and that, and that's important, because again, again, some people won't want to come to the, to the night, and the night doesn't, you know, even hit good topics a lot of times, it, and can get pretty, you know, pretty emotional and heavy, and it's, that's not, that's not what The Great Connections is about. That's what it's about for me, but The Great Connections as a whole is about communicating and getting it out.
0: Have you noticed, is there anything about the way that the discussion is run during the daytime that enables it to be um, calm and allow people to interchange?
2: Yeah, and I, I like, there's a, there's a few things. There's, for the most part, I don't know if, if you guys like to call it like a moderator of sorts. A facilitator. But, but somebody who's there who's kind of making sure everybody and I love this role. This is one of the other things I took away from the Great Connections, is just to facilitate a discussion. You if you walk in on some two people now I'm going to say if I walk in and two people arguing about something or a conversation comes up, a lot of times because of my experience with The Great Connections and watching you guys facilitate them and being a part of the discussions, I'll hold my opinion back. My opinion is way out there. I'm just going to mess up the discussion. I'm just going to make sure that when these two people or multiple people or a group of people are talking and having a discussion that they can each get their points across. I'll be like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're talking way too much. Just give, give him a second to make his counterpoint. I can see he's, he's trying to say something back mm-hmm. to you because these conversations can get so heated. And that's what the facilitator does. That's why the great connections can work so well in that formal environment. It's because the facilitator will say, all let right, right, let's, let's either, you know, hey, we've been on the subject for too long. Let's move forward. Let's try to hit, you know, hit the next part of the text. We've got, you know, three more pages and only 45 more minutes left. And it happens so often because people get so invested in whatever they're talking about and continuing it. And there's there's a really delicate art in being able to do that and doing it effectively. And so it's, that's, I mean, it's why it's so important to have somebody who kind of brings it all together and the text brings it together too. That's, it gives us our deadline. Hey, we've got three more pages. Let's make sure we hit some of it. Um, whereas in the informal, you don't really relate to an individual text, and you can bring out texts that people haven't read. Just, just, just to bring in, you know, your own experience into the matter, and your own uh, examples from things you've read, and watched, and seen.
0: So, so it sounds like one of the things that uh, is crucial to the formal discussion is that it's around a specific. In the introduction, uh, where Liz and I were talking about what this program was going to be about today, I mentioned that uh, what the seminar does is we have very classic readings in uh, subjects from across the liberal arts, from literature to physics, philosophy, poetry, and these are the things that we read during the week, and they'll be from very famous authors uh, in what's called the great books of the classics. So is there something it sounds like there's something about having these texts and the way that we approach them that helps the formal discussion become what it does.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I've, you know, I've I remember last year particularly and we did a seminar on love and you selected a ton, a ton of different readings from from just like you were saying different art forms, poetry, we watched a movie um, and a lot of text in it. I almost felt like they were selected in a good way too because as we read them we hit We hit like a very early version and I think it was Aristotle and his views of love um, And we moved forward and we hit we kind of went later and we bounced around you know in terms of um, chronologically, but you'd, you'd get different you know ideas from each of these authors and that's what's really important. You can really want to touch on, you really just want to touch on all of the possible ideas, or so the big ideas that people have, and and you want to grab as many conflicting ideas as possible so that you can say, oh, you know, I've, you, and I remember we started off the conversations, oh, you know, so what is love to you? And we, you asked us all individually, and we wrote them all on the board, seeing so, you know, all of the conflicting ideas, I know I I was half on the board with oh it's just a chemical reaction and make sure that you know mothers keep their babies close by ensures the survival and passing on of genetics um, and by the end of the seminar and, and I had and I knew I knew the other side but I didn't really know it until some of the pieces I read that week there is there is some pieces that just described love in, in such a profound way that Reading it completely opened up my mind to what other people were trying to say about what love meant to them.
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe like the Ortega Iguassat, yes. yeah, that or was... Cyrano. The... Yeah, it was definitely the
2: Ortega that hit me right in the feels. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was such a good piece, and I remember I sat there, I reread it like four times, and I started highlighting and circling and. I got so emotional that I think someone had to calm me down during the talk and then brought that into the informal, that that passion, which is, um, again, why, why that, you know, why it means so much to me is that in the middle of it, in the middle of having a strong opinion of it, my opinion completely changed and I changed and I left, you know, feeling like I had fallen in love with each and every person in the seminar. Whereas before I thought it was just a (laughs) survival mechanism, Mm -hmm. Um, those books, those stories, those, the poetry, all of the things that we bring into the seminar are so important. And especially it's even like, you know, how you read them, who you read them with, who you talk to them with that will really open up your ideas because it's not just conflicting ideas. It's not just reading, oh, you know, this is Marx's idea on love. This is Ortega's view on love. This is Aristotle's view on love. But it's also then hearing someone's response to that and everything conflicts each other, and you try to hit as much as you can. And it always makes me sad that it's only a week long. Because I always want to just, why can't we keep talking about it? There's so much more to talk about. But, um, you know, eventually you still have to get back to life. Something I was talking with Liz about the other night, uh, which was uh, the Japanese phrase, mono no aware, which is the... It's called the pathos of things. It's what it literally translates to, but it means more of the, um, you know, the acknowledgement of impermanence. And um, you know, every seminar of the last day, we all get together at Marsha's and we have a little party. We say our farewells and slowly people trickle out to go to their flights and we say goodbye one by one. And I've, you know, Never, never been to one that doesn't have tears shed multiple times throughout the night. But there's just so much love and camaraderie in the room. There's so much of this beautiful, you know. We had such a great week, but it's just tinged with this air of like a gentle sadness or a wistfulness, as the uh, Wikipedia kind of says. It's just it's melancholy in its way. And it's a really sad feeling, but it also has this happiness in it and this thankfulness and this love. And I just I really think that everybody should be able to experience that kind of moment because it it's beautiful and it's beautifully tragic. Um, and I think it matured me hmm. immensely.
1: Hmm. I think part of that that sadness comes from you are witnessing and engaging with someone in this process of transformation. And you see them really becoming and see them developing these ideas, and it's influencing your ideas, and you're both changing. And that's a really beautiful moment. And like part of it is that that moment happened, and it's over. (laughs) But I think another thing that kind of what you talked about is like these abstract ideas in these texts. First, you kind of work to understand them in the formal dialogue but what makes it so meaningful in that social informal hour is that then you really make it personal and you really apply it to your life. And then you really see how people apply these ideas and how they, and what it really means to them, what it really means for them and how it applies to their life. And I mean, yeah, I am every summer. I'm so sad when it's over because we've all grown and we've all changed and had this amazing learning experience. and, and then you have to, Move on and put it into your life and practice outside of this setting, and um yeah, I really like that phrase that you used.
2: Yeah, and it it doesn't even fit it as much as I'd like it to. It's, there's there's mono no aware really kind of defines that. It's more focused on that imper, impermanence. And was, there's an example of a director who uses it. You know, you'd stand in on in a you know funeral uh pyre. Or mm-hmm. or just you got. You've got, you know, recently deceased, and you're sitting there with the relatives and loved ones. And, you know, you're still there, but something good has ended. And the, you know, the, the way the director puts it, he says, says, it's fine weather we're having today. And it sends this, you know, this air of, again, this gentle, you know, passing on of things. So there's, there's something that's just a little more happy about this this night or the end of the seminar when you've grown with somebody but um it's still just as sad it makes me keep coming back
0: (laughs) (laughs)
1: me too it's
2: very (laughs) tricky
0: (laughs) well you know what's interesting what struck me as you're describing it both of you is it's as if everybody comes together for a week and they're doing a big work project you know how people i think that work on movies together they have some kind of experience like this too, except the work project is developing your own selves. And so there's even a different layer to it than if you were to come together for a week on a work project on on making a new app or something like that. And um, it's interesting because what I'm hearing from you, Jake, is that the formal discussions get you to think about a lot of important things and allow you to have a, a connection to the other people in the room like like, like the civility of the formal discussions and the, and the way that we delve into things allows you to kind of get to know the other people in a very personally satisfying way so that later on you feel close enough to them that you can then open up with these more these deeper discussions is that do you think that kind of describes what goes on
2: yeah absolutely uh-huh. I, don't know, I i have i have a few things to like bring up there i I've been to I've been to this seminar three times, and I'm planning on coming uh, in July for the next one, and I've been to a few other kind of, you know, you go to camp, and you go, my mom sent me out to Outward Bound, and what ends up happening in all these situations is you spend a week with somebody or a group of people, and almost inevitably, you end that week or longer or shorter, you'll end that period of time you're with them when you're with them 24-7 knowing things about them that nobody else in the world knows because you get into this intimate setting and you know you can't help but but start sharing things and and I, I know in outward bound it was such a tumultuous experience it was so stressful it was so tough and everybody I think, individually broke down at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I spent three weeks there, and that's, I mean, that's, that's that kind of feeling I get. You know, so when they, you know, when someone breaks down on Howard Bound, you know, the, we, the whole group stops. We've been walking and walking and someone just can't take it anymore. And they, like, collapse for a second. And they've got tears running down their eyes. And they eventually, you know, through the encouragement of everybody else, get back up and we keep walking. That kind of, that same kind of breakdown, I think, happened to me in, in The Great Connections on the first year where I just once, once I felt comfortable with people, I was able to just really attack these subjects, really think about them and let myself have my own opinions about them, whereas my whole life I had been this little introvert. Uh, It's like the thing I like, I'd say, I've said all these, my favorite things about the Great Connections, I think the thing I liked the most was in the middle of the week, on my first week there, I had this burst of confidence. I felt like a completely new person. I started speaking in the middle of them, and I was always so nervous and timid and introverted, but by the end of the seminar, I was participating in, like, really difficult topics. I was bringing the counter arguments to the table and I was having relatively fast-paced discussions and connecting with everybody and that was huge for me. The other thing I loved the most was like that emotional connection you have with people and people are just so welcoming. Everybody everybody comes in for the week. They don't know each other. Sometimes they don't know what they're going to expect. I know I had no idea what to expect on my first week there and You know, it's, it's tough really describing it, but it, I have something rose up within me that made me become a different person by the end of the week and made me keep coming back because there's something about sharing your ideas and being able to do that. And it's not like public school where I know I always felt kind of shunned for wanting to learn or being, you know, and I wouldn't I don't mean to be boastful, but being relatively smart and pursuing knowledge, and I got made fun of and bullied for that, and you know it's 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 tough to find other people who are like that who who want to pursue things. you know and even when I found somebody like that who was who was really pursuing knowledge and th- they sometimes and if not all the time would come across a little pompous. they would be a little snooty and and they wouldn't really make good friends. And I came to the seminar, and everybody was like that. Let's, let's you know, hate the subject. Let's just, and I, they were all so friendly. It was such a welcoming atmosphere, so inviting and so warm. And I think I've made more friends each week than I've made my entire life outside of the seminar. Close friends that really matter. I feel
1: like your experience is kind of... It mirrors my own. Like, we both went to the first seminar, and I was a lot older than you, and you were only 16, but I was also really shy. I was, like, afraid of my own voice. I had no confidence, but I remember remember feeling myself grow and, like, pushing through and gaining confidence, and I saw that in you, too, and um, when I look back now, I just, I feel like we've come so far because I've seen where we both were at that time and where we are now. And it's so different because I hear you talking about your ideas and you're passionate and engaged. And, um, I think that's something that I see in a lot of people too, is that like, first you have the confidence of your own voice and then you feel empowered to communicate those ideas. And so like, we had a lot of conversations just in the past few days, you know, where I feel like I probably wouldn't have those with other people, but it gives you the confidence to speak up and then you end up finding these people and having this community of really people who care about talking about these things and who care about these ideas and how they influence how you see the world. So I love hearing that because I feel like it's totally my, my experience as well. And that's kind of different, I think, from other kinds of programs where maybe you gain other kinds of skills. I feel like that's probably the main takeaways that I also got is that this confidence and this ability to communicate and um, have meaningful conversations outside of that.
2: Yeah, and it only gets better as, you know, the next day goes by after that initial burst of confidence and now you're, you know, speaking even more. It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, is really a, a wonderful feeling. And unlike Outward Bound or so many of these other, sem- you know, not other seminars, but other, other kind of places you can go to, where people will push you in like i like i said in public school if you're you know the teacher will f- kind of force an answer out of you and now we're bound you're being pushed by your group and and the you know they also have a weird way of saying it. it's not an instructor but they're you know the guide for mm-hmm. the most part and they push you until you break um we're in the great the great connections you push yourself and you, it is it's up to you to find your way and find your voice and and want to, to do that. Um, and that's why I say if anybody, you know, wants to improve themselves in any way, if you have that drive to do that, The Great Connections is for you because if you have that inner fire that you want to do something about and you don't know what Great Connections and people there will help guide you, but it's on you to... To really put forth the effort. And that's, I mean, that's kind of the center of it all, in my opinion, which is just, it's self improvement. And it can be, it can come in so many forms, but it's just a beautiful thing to watch yourself grow and to know that you did it.
0: Jake, it's very moving to hear you say that. Thank you so much for sharing it. You know, uh, it, what's interesting is that that's exactly the approach that we always take in Montessori education, which is to create an environment in which, the, the, with the idea that the person actually has an inner motive to grow, but they need the right nurturing environment for it. And that to, to get people to do things, to get the students to do things, you make those things attractive. You don't use a stick, you use a carrot. And you, you make the, um, whatever it is, activity that you're doing attractive to the person so that they want to do it themselves.
2: That, that last bit I was talking about is, is, a, is a tough one, If you're especially if you're trying to market the great connections in some way. If you're trying to spread the word about it, it's tough to figure out who your, who your real audience is, who do you want to come, who do you really want to be a part of it, and who will want to be a part of it. I believe everybody has that drive.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It's just who realizes that they do. Mm-hmm. And, to, and to have been majority, especially kids my age, who have been raised in this public school environment that has a, a way of, um, you know, like I said, kind of defeating that drive
0: mm-hmm.
2: and saying, you know, this is the end goal. This is where it stops. 12th grade, and you know, could do college, and then you'll have a job, and you'll be good. It's, it, it never ends and it should never end They're, they they make these concrete walls that they keep you in and and they stifle any any form of real you know passion it's tough to to change your mind about that after you especially after you've been through it all mm-hmm. for 14 plus years years you sit there and you turn around and you say uh, I don't want it to end and I feel like I'm you know I feel like I'm going slow or I feel like I'm not learning what i want to learn or whatever it is there's you know there's there's more to life than this and the minimum you know, 40 hour work week and the office job that i'm about to take i you know i want to i want to stay in school or you know i want to i want to learn on my own without a teacher or whatever it is i feel like the school system just has a and, and it's not just the school it's it's it has a hand in the government it has a hand in corporations that hire you they kind of say, you know, this, this, your work day ends at five. And I mean, for the most part, that works because I'm, I'm looking forward to five because I don't want to work there. But, you know, we, we do what we have to, to to make to make to get by in, in the world. And um, I just, I've always felt like we kind of follow a line. Right? It should be it should branch out a lot more. And you sh- you are the person who makes that happen.
1: I was struck by what you said about um, being in public school because I'm also a public school survivor. <laughs> yeah. um, but how yeah, you said you were kind of like bullied or like discouraged from learning. And I feel like this even comes from teachers because if you're inquisitive and you're asking questions, you're kind of challenging them. And it's like, oh, well, why don't you just stick to what's in the curriculum? Stop asking questions, you know? Yeah. So you're right, it does kill that like drive to learn and then you think there's something wrong with you like why can't I just be happy like doing this homework and like moving on and going to school and it's a totally different way of seeing what it means to learn and like what the value of learning and education is for your life because then you go to work and you're right you just like what is it all for so I went to school and I have this job but now what you still have this drive to want to improve and understand and that's The sad part about education that most people are getting today, I think.
2: I could talk about public school for a long time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, we could get off on the whole topic of that. I'm hopeful there's a lot of turmoil going on in education today, and people are questioning how things are being done and whether that's really the the way to do it. There's unfortunately many political forces, um, I'm not just talking about governmental, but like social forces, that make it hard to change it but i think there's a lot of experiments going on so hopefully great connections is one of the experiments that'll make a difference it did for me
1: can i ask one question kind of to take it all the way back (laughs) to the beginning um was because it was such a new experience for you the first time that you went what convinced you to want to be open to trying it in the first place
2: Uh, unfortunately i was young and i I half don't remember as much, um, and it was half my mom who kind of told me that I'm going. Um, <laughs> but there, there was a very big appeal for the first time that I got the uh, opportunity to go fly out to a city by myself and live there for a week in a dorm, and like it felt like college. It felt like complete and utter independence, and I was lucky because my parents really financed it, it for me, you know, quite a bit, and I was able to, you know, go out and spend some money and get myself food constantly, so, you know, it's it's tough, but that that feeling of independence, and it definitely validated itself, it really drew me to tackle a fear of mine. I actually think the first year I, I went, I had also gone and did Outward Bound, which was a guided activity, but I went out to Oregon by myself, and I think I came back from that, okay. and I was like, I need more. I want to, I want, and I want, and, and and you know, that that's tough physically, and there's an emotional drain on that, but I need more stimulants. I need more, I want to go out, and I want to use that, that kind of independence that I started fostering, and and really explore who I am and what I can do. And it, um, it really broke down some barriers. And like I said, it, it really proved me right in that sense. That feeling of independence and in the middle of Chicago, no less. Where I'm, you know, from a small suburb around Charlotte, which is, I just don't like to call it a city. <laughs> it, is, it is quite small. It's like a very large town. And I lived on the edge of it not even close to the city center. And I had never really experienced walking around. My dad took me to New York once or twice, and I always really liked it. though It was a little smelly. Chicago is just a beautiful place. And it's really clean, really well-built, really well-structured, there's so much to do. And I was 16 years old in the city. I had a bunch of friends that I, were, that I was slowly making, and by the end of the week, it was like, Hey, we've got you know two and a half hours. Let's go here. Let's go do this. Let's and we all go as a group. Or last year, I ha- I made a really close friend with one of my roommates, and we went out during our free time, just me and him. Hit hit a few of the breweries because that's my new that's the new fad for everybody. But that's that's my thing. I love craft beer. I Was able to touch on Lagunitas and two other breweries in the area. It was really really fun, and it, it it's just so freeing especially as a young student who's been handheld and guided your entire life. You just always have someone telling you what's next. And it's freeing for the first time since you were five. It's like you don't have a whole bunch of responsibility. Just get to your classes, and then the rest of the day is yours. You don't have to answer to your parents. You don't have to, you know, just make sure you're there for class the next morning. That, that was so, so, so... Liberating? Yeah, liberating.
1: Sounds like it's kind of like, for the first time, you realize you're a free person. Like, you can really exercise your freedom, but you never really have the chance ever to do that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, that was, that summer was such a huge turning point for me. And immediately, I was like, I'm coming back for the next year. Mm -hmm. And what really, really sucked for me, what was really terrible, was the year after I you know, I was done with school and I immediately got a job and then like just started rolling from there. And I never I never really could come back easily. I had to start. I mean, the second I got a job, that's when I started paying for my own food and I bought a car and paying for this and the insurance and this. And I need the money and I need the money and I need the money. I can't take a week off. And I started working at the bank. And it was even more difficult because now you have a 40 hour work week. You can't take a week off. I came back last year, and it washed over me, that same feeling of freedom and independence. Like, I can do what I want to do. I don't want to work for the bank. I don't want to follow this system that just feels so stifling and draining and sucks your life away. I plan to come back many times.
0: Well, we look forward to having you.
2: Can't wait until it gets really big. (laughs) 80 people you <laughs> don't have to separate you can't even know everybody but that, that'll be interesting I'm so curious to see how this grows I'm always I'm always happy to come back for future episodes okay thanks for having me alright
0: thanks for everything you had to say really appreciate it <laughs>